Hello, and welcome to the Not Your Mama's Gamer podcast, a podcast where we talk about games and gaming from a feminist perspective. This is episode 131, um, and my name is Samantha Blackman, um, and I'm an associate professor here at Purdue University in wonderful West Lafayette, Indiana, where I talk about, read about, write about, dream about, amongst other things, video games. Uh, and I am joined tonight by an oppress- impressive array of brilliant women. A.K.A. a whole lot of people. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, no, I apologize. An impressive array of brilliant people. Sorry, and, Sam. No, darling, don't apologize. I, I'm the one who needs to apologize. Um, and I will start in the order that I see folks on my screen. Well, I only I see that the order on my screen, so that doesn't help much. Um, and we'll start with Alex Lane. I am Alex Lane. I'm a professor at Metro State in Minnesota. And um, I have crazy dogs that might bark during the podcast. You have, One of your dogs is a horse, though. You have to admit that. I have... <laughs> Uh, two dogs and a skinny cow. <laughs> <laughs> he does uh, look like a skinny cow, and he moves kind of when he sleeps. He's like, mmm. he does kind of oh, because he snores. Mm-hmm. He does have kind of cow coloring though. So yes, he does. All right, and next up, I have Alicia Carabinus. Hey, I hey. am. Uh... <laughs> I'm a student, a PhD student at Purdue. I study rhetoric and composition in the Vigi games. Uh, and I have a wild toddler who might emerge and start screaming at any time. A wild toddler has emerged. A wild toddler may appear. <laughs> I got Pokeballs. I got Pokeballs. I don't mm. want to catch a wild toddler. Mm-mm. You can't have her. She's also really expensive, so. I love her. I might have to use fancy Pokeballs to catch her of these. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, next up, Ashley. I am Ashley, and I'm a PhD student at Purdue University. And, yeah, I, yeah that's what I am. <laughs> All day long. All day. And last but certainly not least, hello, Jinx. Hi. Um, I'm Jinx. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Shit, sorry. Um, sorry. I'm a recent graduate of biomedical engineering from Purdue University, and I am still horribly un- unemployed. So. Yay, economy. Yeah. No, I'm apparently too gay to be employed, so, you know. Yay, yeah. culture. <laughs> Yay, America. You're yeah. just as gay as you need to be. Yeah, I need more <laughs> sparkles, I guess. <laughs> I was going to say, you're never too gay. You can be not gay enough if you run out of glitter, but you know. Yeah. I'm not allowed to put glitter around the house anymore. It has to stay in a very compact drawer. Oh. To be fair, glitter's kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah. well, we don't have carpet, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll probably hear me yelling at Zeke about that because of the carpet. But anyway. <laughs> well... Let's go ahead and get started. We're 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 all in an extremely upbeat mood today, and we'll probably get into talking about that in just a little bit. Um, but we'll do our usual: what you're playing, what you're reading, what you're drinking. That's not with drinking. <laughs> she never lets us start with drinking. I've tried so many times. 
uh, and see where we where we go from there. Um, since I don't have my uh, show notes in front of me because I'm thoroughly confused with the new system, how about we start again with the order in which I see people? Um, Alex, let's see if everybody remembers their order. Alex, what you playing? <laughs> um, the order on the dock is Sam, Jinx, Alex, Ashley, and then Alicia, but that is fine. I will go. Uh, I've been playing only a couple things, Overwatch, um, as much as I can, yeah, with Ashley. Uh, we're kind of awesome. I mean, you know, we kind of rock it today. Pretty much badass. Yeah, except when we play separate, we our teams suck, so... We analyzed that a little bit today. We can talk about it later. But uh, Stardew Valley, played lots of that. That's such a good, like, all of a sudden you lose six hours game that's been kind of perfect. And then Lost Sea I played, which we'll talk about later. What's up? Alicia? What about you, Dara? Uh, nothing really new, except um, I downloaded a mobile game called Tap My Katamari. What's that? What? What? I thought it would be really fun because I love Katamari, but literally you just have to pound the screen over and over and over and over, and then you roll your Katamari in a straight line and pick shit up, and I was like, this is a travesty, smirching the Katamari name, and I deleted it real fast. Okay, um, so can I ask a question? Yes. How the hell was Katamari on the console any different? <laughs> well, because you had, you know, your analog sticks, and you could go in different directions, and, you know, you had some control. This is literally just take one finger, tap on your phone screen as fast as you can, and you just watch the little prince roll the ball in a straight line. And if there happens to be something there, you pick it up regardless. That, that there's no thought, there's no strategy, there's just, I'm going to wear my finger out, and also my phone screen. Yeah. <laughs> so that sounds Has anybody awful. read the new Stephen King book? No. No. There's it centers around this game console and this game being like hypnotic and it puts people into like this hypnotic state. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's exactly what you just described. <laughs> like that's identically how he describes it in the book. It's shocking. A lot of people do like tap games and shit like that, but I am not one of them. And I was horrified because I love Katamari, and the first thing I thought was oh my gosh, I can play this with Pickle and she'll be super excited when we pick up like cows and people and buildings and shit. But there's nothing there, so I'm going to have to go find one of the Katamaris for a console because I hadn't thought about it until then. But I was very disappointed. Fuck, tap my Katamari. Um, other than that, I've been playing fucking Hearthstone and god damn it, wow. <laughs> I didn't let my subscription lapse at the end of the month. I was going through and then Terry re-upped his so we were playing together. But it was just nice because at the very beginning of our actual relationship relationship when it turned into like a relationship from a friendship we played WoW together because he was in Texas and I was in Arkansas and it was sweet. Um, so that's nice but mostly I still hate it a lot. But it's mindless fun so there's that. Like I'll press the button, one button over and over, sometimes two. <laughs> yeah. When you get fancy and all. Mm. <laughs> like they've taken all of the strategy and thought out of this game since even the last time I played it. Anyway, I have a lot of feelings. Go ahead. Ashley, what about you? Overwatch, when I have some time. I just got the division last night, and I was up to like 2 o'clock, I think, playing that. Uh... So that's what I've been playing when I 
when I get some playtime. Cool. What about you, Jinx? What you been playing? Um, I finally set up my PS4. Um, and we finally got internet so I could download all the games that I had for it. Um, so I've been playing a lot of Rogue Legacy. Um, we do three deaths and I pass it off to my partner and his three deaths last a lot longer than mine and then he passes it back. And So that's kind of been how we play in that. Um, I've also been playing Don't Starve because um, they had the Reign of Giants version. Um, no, Don't Starve Together, which is sad because I want to play it with my partner. But... Um, so that there's that. I've been playing Lost Sea, but kind of got bored with it really quick. Um, and then <laughs> Pokemon Go, I was able to get it to work, and Fort and I went on for a walk and got to play some of it before the servers went down again. Go <laughs> um, Starve is so which good. I found out. Oh yeah, it is. I'm having a lot of fun with it. We actually survived, um, and we're able. Fort actually survived in Reign of Giants, and that was our first survival. It was really interesting. Um, I need to finish the one that I have all the stuff. So, I like playing Willow, and catching things on fire. <laughs> hey, that's a good thing to do. Uh, Fort uh, plays I, so, uh, Abigail. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. No, that's fine. So I guess it's my turn, um, and I'll tell you what I've been playing. Yeah, I've been playing. I also started playing Pokemon Go because Pokemon Go. Um, I've been waiting for it forever, um, but then at the same time. But at the same time, I was really disappointed. Right. Yeah. Disappointed in the characters mm -hmm. um, because you could only choose male or female. Those were your only two choices. And there were four skin tones, which were light, a little less light, a little bit of brown, and just a little more brown. Also known as recolored white folks. Yes. <laughs> um, no different hairstyles. There was one male and one female hairstyle, um, and both were straight. Um, which was interesting. Um, and then uh, I also have been playing um, 999 for the DS. Nine hours, nine persons, nine days. It's the first game in the Zero, um, in the zero series um, where you is basically Saw um, <laughs> in a video game where you're trapped by a madman and have to get out. Um, what was really interesting about it and I realized as I was playing it was that this game is kind of kind of really math based and it, if it weren't for the dark content and the fact that you know people are like blowing up and getting killed and thinking about killing each other um, that it would be actually a great game for kids to play because it asks you to do <coughs> excuse me like numerical derivatives and stuff like that in order to solve puzzles and make it through the doors. Um, so if they could make a kid-friendly version of that game, it'd be kind of amazing. Um, Lossie. Played a lot of Lossie. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And then played um, Inside um, mm. from Play Dead. Uh, the studio Play Dead, which is uh, the studio that gave us Limbo. Um, so that's pretty interesting, um, and I'll I'll talk. I actually wrote a little bit about it in terms of my experience playing it for the for the site this week, um, and you'll hear more about it um, in the coming week or so. Um, but that game was a little bit disconcerting to say the least because it was a little more visually accurate than Limbo. 
um, and some of the deaths were pretty serious. Um, so that was kind of problematic. Um, and that's what I've been playing. What about uh, reading? Anybody reading anything interesting? How about you, Alex? Um, yeah, I'm reading a book called um, This Is Why We Can't Have Nice Things. Um, I, I forgot I forgot about that. Uh, hold on one second. I'm trying to think of the author's names. Um, yeah, it's This Is Why We Can't Have Nice Things by Whitney Phillips. Um, and the subtitle is Mapping the Relationship Between Online Trolling and Mainstream Culture. Um, so it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, I thought it would be a little more <laughs> interesting than it is, but I'm only a couple chapters in, so it might get better. But um, it's looking at... The central argument is that trolls aren't some weird counterculture anomaly, but that trolls, what they do in their essential function is to expose um, beliefs that the mainstream culture is pretending they don't have. Uh, mm. So, uh, but the definition of trolls is different than I would have done, so I don't know if I buy into the whole argument. But, but it's, it's pretty good so far. It's all right. Resounding endorsement. <laughs> um, and other than that, just a bunch of fiction and stuff like that. I do think it's really important to remember that a lot of the people who engage in trolling, uh, however we want to define it, you know, it's, it's so easy to write them off as just kids or just this or just that, but a lot of them are adults, gainfully employed, regular people uh, who participate in horrific things online. Yeah, I think like she, like the way she defines troll and the examples she's using so far again, only a couple chapters in, but so far are examples for like uh, putting a fake news source out and then having that be used by the media. Yeah, as the basis for a story. Um, Not and, that we've ever seen that before. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. So, like that's that that's definitely a particular kind of trolling that's very political, and they're doing that. She argues maybe not expressly, but subconsciously to expose the way our media already is sensationalist and a joke and just taking anything. Um, so like that I, I totally buy, but I certainly don't think that's... I don't know if that's the definition of troll to me, but... Yeah. That's yeah. All. What about you, Alicia? Read anything interesting? Just the goddamn news. Well, that's no fun. No. <laughs> nope. Nope. What about you, Ashley? Reading? <laughs> You're reading a lot right now, aren't you? <laughs> Man, I don't even know. I don't even know. Uh, if it's not school, it's the internet's right now. And the internet's are pretty damn pitiful. So. Well, so that's it. Cool. What about you, Jinx? We're all very cheerful. Mm -hmm. I know. That's what I said. We're all just like a, we're just a bitch, a bitch, a bitch, a bitch, a, a, a bunch of bitches. A bitch, a bitch. Hey, bitch, Sam. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> God. Uh, God 
Yeah. We're going to get to the what you're drinking real soon, apparently. <laughs> so sorry. Um, I'm, I'm just reading the Discworld um, series, so working my way through that. Oh, that's um, fun. It's actually you're really... Discworld, yeah, I am trying to read it in some sort of order. I was sent a very <laughs> handy reading guide, so um, I'm trying to read what I can through the library and what I own, because I've just been grabbing Terry Pratchett books every time I've seen them. Um, so I have a weird collection. Um, so I'm reading specifically the Tiffany Aching series, so The Little Witches, which I, I love. I thought he did a good job with The Witches. Um, and then I'm doing the uh, the Night Watch series. So um, I read Guards, Guards, Men at Arms, um, Feet of Clay, and then I'm on Jingo right now, and uh, I think Jingo is very uh, poignant to the way the world is. Um, and Men at Arms is actually very pointed out of like racism sort of stuff too, um, mm -hmm. you know, in this fantasy novel. So, um, so yeah, I highly recommend Discworld to everybody. Um, high fantasy, sci-fi, uh, social commentary in the form of dwarves and trolls and gargoyles. So, you know, I uh, I lied, I lied. Um, Nighthawk. I oh, started reading oh, the comic yeah. series Nighthawk. Um, it's not what people might think it is, because I thought it was a Nighthawk that was uh, another character in another Marvel. But um, it's a it's a black man, African American, who fights crime, white supremacy crime in Chicago, and uh, it's pretty badass. So the author has taken on the task of confronting the cultural situations that we're dealing with. Racially, uh, through a comic. So I highly recommend that. Second issue just came out too. So that's mm, cool. I want to check that one out. I want to check that one. I got a list. Of, believe it or not, I got a list of comics on my phone, and I keep meaning to like stop by the comic store and. It's really grab good. Some comics. Can I suggest uh, another one? Um, sure. Lady Justice. Um, I think it was originally started yeah, by Neil Gaiman. Yeah, it's oh. all about women basically taking up the mantle of Lady Justice and like fighting their abusers and stuff. Apparently, there's also now a black woman as Iron Man. Yes, yeah, I saw that. Yes, yeah, a 15-year-old girl. Yeah, yeah, which I'm pretty excited to read about too. So, uh, so yeah. That looks awesome. Riri Williams. Yeah, yeah, her name is Riri Williams. So yeah. can can we just run that by that for a second? Because there was a bit of an uproar on the internet about Riri Williams uh, because she's not written by an African American woman. She's not written by an African American at all, mm -mm. but rather um, by uh, a white man. Um, so that was a, a bit of an issue for a lot of people on the internet. Um, and then someone, uh, it, I was kind of, I was kind of following the discussion um, on the twitters, um, and and people were talking about it and and giving their, I'm, I'm trying to stay objective here, and giving their um, <laughs> their explanation for why they thought it was okay um, for uh, the new iron. See, I have a problem calling calling her Iron Man. Yeah. But for her to be written by um, a white male character, um, but it was because he has children um, of color. 
So I don't know if his children are biracial or adopted or that that was just the excuse that someone threw out there and they were like, well, he has children of color. Um, and they didn't really kind of go into detail and uh, but in the same in the same way that's kind of a, a moot point yeah. if the point is you can't write about a black experience unless you've had that experience because just because your children have that experience doesn't mean that you have that experience right, right? you know it's so. interesting there was a there was a video going around today about um, a young man named Alex Landau I don't know if you remember his story 2009 he was beaten by the police very badly and it was an animated story of like him and his mother he was adopted by a white couple um, talking about how that moment was kind of when she realized how different their experiences were and how she'd always assume you know if they just loved him enough and everything would be fine and you know I think that that is a really interesting way of looking at this kind of thing because Brian Michael Bendis is a really isn't a really good writer but Lots of people are really good writers, right? Doesn't mean you can write anything. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. It's it's fraught. That's pretty interesting. I'm sorry, I, I cut you off, Ashley, when you were telling us about your. Oh your no, you're fine. I'm now looking at the the, the twitters. <laughs> <laughs> As you do. As I do, and uh, yeah, Riri Williams and. The thoughts that people have—it's uh, not promising. But I—I I mean, I don't know. I, I hear a lot of people who who are uh, who are white who want to talk about black culture, and they tend to want to use the excuse or the premise that they have black friends or they adopted black children. And I don't know. I have a hard time with that. So I can understand. Yeah. Yeah. Where people are coming from. It, 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 if I can, um, it's kind of interesting to think about comics in the same way almost that we think about television, right? Because comics will have a writer, but there are other people who give input. You know, not teams, but yeah. But there's still like more of a, I don't know, like a fan interaction and a culture around the creation of comics, and then you're collaborating with others. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. It's going to happen regardless. Um, so we can we can see, but yeah, it's just it's man, it's fucking complicated. <laughs> yeah, well, he, apparently this guy was also part of the team, um, who or half the half of the duo, shall we say, who wrote um, the Morales Spider Man. Mm -hmm. Yep. So yeah, it's, it's kind of like oh damn, he's just kind of digging a hole deeper and deeper. He just gonna write all the minorities, huh? But um, <laughs> <laughs> in many, I mean, I'm serious. In many ways, that that does become kind of more damning in some ways. Yeah, but you know, especially when we have Tennessee Coates writing um, Black Panther. Yeah. Right, so, so you know you can do it. You can get people to do it. I mean, and then do a damn good job of it. But you know, then at the same time, you're like, oh yeah, we're just gonna give this dude over here these people to write and see what happens. Well, you know, there's already a huge contingent of racist ass fanboys going like, hey, they're turning all of like the Marvel heroes into black folks, minorities, yeah. and black yeah. Muslims and everything. So you're gonna run into the argument, as stupid as it is. That if you start turning all of the major characters into minorities, why well, you'll just move the white people right out of the industry. But you know what? That's up. <laughs> Make 
other comics. <laughs> Why don't we let superheroes be something besides big ass huge muscle uh, white men for a while? It'd be nice. I'm ready for it. I like to think that my children will grow up in an era uh, if they start reading comic books that when they go to the store to pick out comic books, they won't just see the same characters over and over. Yeah. Alright, so I guess it's my turn. What have I been reading? Um, so I have been reading um, a couple of different things. For fun, I started reading a book called The Paper Magician. Um, just for shiggles. Um, it's a, a YA novel. It's kind of like... Uh, I want to say, but it's not real. It's kind of like Harry Potter, but it's got a female protagonist um, who goes through magic school, and then they have to be apprenticed. Um, and she has all these ideas about what she wants to be apprenticed as. And then it turns out it's like, oh, okay, well, you know, you're kind of low on the list in terms of not not academically, but just in terms of of chronologically or um, alphabetically. I'm sorry. Um, so. We're gonna go ahead and put you over here because there aren't a lot of people who wanna do who wanna apprentice in this kind of magic. So she gets put in to be an apprentice of paper magic, and she absolutely hates this idea. She thinks it's like the dumbest thing on the face of the planet. Uh, so it's pretty interesting um, in terms of in terms of her uh, how we see her unfolding um, as a character who um, has some very specific ideas and ideals. Um, but then at the same time, she gets forced into something that she doesn't necessarily want to do. And like I said, it's a YA novel, which is kind of problematic for me because it's it's almost like it's almost like it's trying to tell teenagers or preteens that yeah, so you might not want to do something, and you might get forced into doing it, but it's really what's good for you in the yeah. end. Um, which is you know, which is not what I was hoping for when I started the book. So I don't know, maybe it'll. Maybe it'll turn around by the time I get to the end. I'll see. If it doesn't look like it's turning around soon, I might just ditch it. But um, we'll see. Um, also this week, um, ironically, uh, before uh, the news of the, of the last 48 hours or so um, with the... Um, the murders of Alton Sterling and uh, Philando Castile. Um, I had reread Tanahasi Coates' um, Between the World and Me, um, and then immediately turned around and started to reread the new Jim Crow, um, because those were two kind of really powerful. Uh, race theory books that I had read in like the last six months or so, um, and we started that that save the culture book ring kind of mm -hmm. thing, um, and I was trying to figure out what book I was going to send to the person on my list. So I was kind of looking through, um, I was kind of looking through my Kindle, and I was like, oh. There's uh, between the world and me, so I went ahead and gave that another read, and and like I said, this is my third time reading that book, and I'm still absolutely astounded by the fact that that book brings me to tears every time. Um, that and uh, once again, like I said, I started to reread uh, 
the new Jim Crow. I just ordered that uh, a couple it's days ago. It's an amazing ago. book. Do you uh, think I could borrow that from you sometime, Sam? I would have to loan it to you via Kindle. <laughs> I have a fire, so would that work out? It's yep, it would. I, okay. I got to double check and make sure it's lendable. But yeah, I can loan it to you, definitely. Okay, thank you. I've wanted to read it, I just never got the chance to. Um, I guess I could check if the Bloomington Library has it. I can do that too. <laughs> and if it's not lendable, I, I think I also have an Audible copy. Because okay. I had like I had like five Audible <laughs> book credits, and I really wanted to cancel my account, so I had to buy like a bunch of books <laughs> before before I could cancel my account. Because if you canceled your account when you still had credits, you lost your credits. Right. But if yeah. you didn't cancel your account, you just kept getting more credits. So it was like, yeah. So I think I might also have an Audible copy. So I'll look. Okay. Um, when we're, when we're all done, and how long you one or the other. <laughs> if you don't have it, just let me know. I'll look for it for at the library. Mm -hmm. All right. Is that everybody's reading? Mm-hmm. So, Alex, what you drinking? Um, I'm having a delicious drink called Truly Spiked and Sparkling. Are those good? I keep seeing them everywhere. Well, my drink, like, before that was like sparkling water and vodka, which I think this basically is. But I think they're incredibly delicious. I love them. But they're not, like, they're not sweet like a cider at all. They just are sparkling water with booze and a little bit of flavoring. Like the grapefruit, I think, is the best by far. Um, so it's more like a vodka tonic-y kind of thing? Or? Yeah, kind of like that, but but not tonic-flavored. Um but like, I don't know, club soda. Yeah, it says on the bottle, like, spiked and sparkling. It's spiked sparkling water. Hmm. But I might I, have to try those. I, I keep really, seeing them. Really they like look it. good. Yeah, I really, really like it. It's my new favorite thing. All right. What about you, Alicia? What you drinking this week, darling? Bourbon. <laughs> my girl. All of it. All the bourbon. Mama what kind of bourbon are you drinking? Uh, rye. Mm. Rye is whiskey, but not bourbon tonight. Whiskey. You know, whatever. It's brown. I'm drinking it. Lots of it. <laughs> drinking some kind of brown liquor. And it might get me intoxicated. Probably more likely than might. Now I sort of <laughs> feel like I should go get some scotch. Do, Do you have any Sour Patch Kids? That's the important question. No, I don't. <laughs> well, shit. I can't send them over the interwebs. Uh, uh, Ashley. <laughs> Me, I'm drinking Maker's Mark. What you drinking out of that bottle? Uh, that was water. I'm trying to make sure that, you oh. know, I don't have a hangover in the morning. Okay, I, I was just making sure that wasn't the bottle of Maker's Mark. <laughs> <laughs> no, I almost did that, but no, it's not I've done that before on the podcast. Yes, I, yes, I yes, she did. Yes, yes. She was a little intoxicated that night. <laughs> Who was? You were. Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I plan on being the same way tonight. Uh, yep, bourbon. That's what I'm drinking. I have cider for backup when the bourbon's gone because the bourbon will probably be gone. Mm -hmm. What kind of cider you got? Uh, Oliver. Oh. Peach one, I think. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a good stuff. I didn't want to go looking for my beloved 
Um, so I'll get my beloved later. Abandon well, unfortunately, I found out that the uh, package store over by my house uh -huh. carries a lot of the the package store over by my house carries a lot of the good ciders. That was a dangerous thing to discover. By good, you mean Vandermill? And the um and the Ace pineapple cider. Mm. No, hush. It was really good. You don't like the Ace? I Ace pear is the I shit. haven't tried the pineapple one. I tried the Ace regular and I didn't like that. Yeah, I don't like the Ace regular, but the pineapple's good as hell. Alright, I'll try the pineapple. Pineapple cider is like its whole own thing. You know. I mean that. I like pineapple, yeah. Yeah, the the ace is really good. It's almost as good as the pineapple hula, the cider boys. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. I will uh try that out next time. Yep. It's not as good. What about you, Jinx? What you drinking, darling? Uh, I'm I'm drinking. <laughs> Sorry, you guys know I'm, I'm not a big drinker, so this is a lot for me. But it's really not. It's uh, I'm drinking Arbor Mist, uh, mango, strawberry Moscato. <laughs> oh, oh my god! So I just flashed back to middle school. Oh my god! <laughs> you know you're gonna make me go get my. I don't want to drink whiskey tonight. <laughs> okay, okay. I drink water. I drink like like really sweet like fruit juice wines, or I drink. Like Irish whiskey. There's no in between. It's that's fruit right. juice whiskey. Yeah, that's legit. <laughs> you are okay. And I'm like drinking whiskey when I'm around people. You're yeah, no, I like sweet wines. I'm grown as hell. <laughs> yeah, she does like sweet wines. I'm a child like and everyone knows it. There's like one sweet wine that I like, and it's a red wine that's delicious, but I can only drink like a glass. I'm looking for Electra. I can't find it anywhere. It's like the it was like the coolest like I don't know how they did it, but it was like super bubbly Moscato, and it tasted really good. But I haven't been able to find it anywhere. But I also don't look because I don't like drink pink it. bubbly Moscato. Isn't that just what it's called? No, it was clear. Um, and it wasn't it wasn't like champagne or anything. It was like just Moscato that had like bubbles in it. I don't know. I don't. This is how much I know about drinking. <laughs> I'll bubbly. let you know what it's called. Hold on. All right. Maybe it was. Uh, it wasn't pink. It was like a yellowy, like, uh, yellowy blue. I don't remember. <laughs> Woo. All right. Well, I guess I'll go. I'll jump in. <laughs> I am drinking. It's kind of well. I'm. It's probably close to what you were drinking, Alex. Except uh, mine might be a little sweeter. I am drinking a um, a soda and pineapple mango vodka. Mm -hmm. um, I bet but, it's a lot like what I'm drinking. Yeah, but the, the pineapple mango vodka is the, what is it, Svedka? Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's sweet. It's like really sweet, which is why I mixed it with just um, soda. soda. I just made some, uh, some soda in my soda stream. Yep. Um, the sparkly can, and then I poured the vodka in to try to cut the sweetness of the vodka because I like vodka tonics a lot. Uh, but I didn't have any tonic, and I didn't. It was too sweet to like mix with juice or anything like that. So I think you're really gonna like this if, when you try it, because it's it's not sweet, but it's slightly sweeter. It's not sweeter necessarily. It's more flavorful than a vodka tonic. I think you like it. Sam, you were making infused vodkas, weren't you? No, that was Michelle that was making infused vodkas. I was okay. buying infused tequilas. <laughs> okay, because I think I'm gonna make some. Infused vodkas this summer. We'll have to have a day in which we try the fruits of my labors. I'm down for that. I'm down for that. <laughs> I thought 
thought you might. I be. like infused tequilas. I, I'll buy like infused yes. tequilas. One of my favorite things to do is to make margaritas with um, mm-hmm. pepper infused tequila because there's nothing like the spiciness of the tequila with the lime. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. pretty tasty. So I'm down for that. Right. And right now, I think we all need to drink. Drink. Yes. Knock it back. Knock it back. I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have to make a drinking game with the podcast. Like, every time we say, what the actual fuck? Or something. Oh, I'm drunk really quick. I was going to say, we might be drunk really fast. What is wrong with people? Drunk drinks isn't fun drinks. Uh, Just fall asleep and you'll... (laughs) <laughs> also, we don't need to kill Jinx. Jinx is tiny. <laughs> just drink water, Jinx. Just drink water. Okay. You can alternate shots of water and <laughs> sparkling water. When everybody else was doing drinking games, I would they would just hand me like a, a tub of Cool Whip, and my job would just be to eat the Cool Whip every time everyone else took a shot. Let's play for that way. You just uh, you know what? Cool I'm here whip. for that. Can I play that version? I want that too. <laughs> Cool Whip. I couldn't. Yeah, they were. That was my friends are great because they're just like, yeah, we're gonna drink. You just eat Cool Whip. It's safer that way. And it worked out. <laughs> All right, let's let's jump forward a little bit as the uh, fireworks start going on outside my house. Mm-hmm. Uh, again? Yeah, again. Apparently, somebody missed the memo. It's a miracle um, week. It's a miracle week. <laughs> Isn't white it America? though? It's white America. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not my America. Thankful white America week. I ain't down for that. Sorry. Um. No, it's fine. Uh. So let's jump up and let's talk about the, our indie game of the week. Um. We all mentioned the game that was our indie game of the week. Alex, tell us about our indie game of the week. <laughs> oh, I mean, I thought it was it was fine. It's it. I mean. It would have been a fine Facebook game or something. It just didn't hit any of the things I like in that kind of game. Like, you couldn't collect stuff, you couldn't build stuff up, you couldn't really unlock things. Like, you just kind of followed this path that they laid out for you, and I just, I mean, it's fine. I still think it's Kitty Diablo. (laughs) Yeah. But in Diablo, you can, like, I don't know. Kitty Diablo. Yeah, you can't even level up, though. Oh, no. Yeah, you can you can take things back and sell them at least in Diablo and upgrade. Well, you can upgrade, but um, um, I didn't feel like I was working towards anything. Uh, oh, lossy, sorry. Lossy. Um, and you know, Kitty Diablo is an interesting way to Kitty Diablo light, maybe. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, like uh, the demo version where you can't save anything like that. Yeah, like yeah, yeah like that. Because the the game that I really see as being like a, a kitty roguelike or a kitty Diablo is something that Alex, you and I really got hooked on when it first came out with Skylanders. Yeah. And at I least that was gonna bring up Skylanders. The feel is a lot like Skylanders, yeah. This one was like I see yeah, I think I don't uh, as a Facebook game or I I think it was. I was thinking, oh, it'd be interesting as a phone game, but definitely something portable, quick, jump in, jump out, um, because that's kind of what it felt more geared geared toward, rather than being a permadeath slash roguelike, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. because it just didn't fit with the rest of the game. 
Yeah, I didn't feel like we were working towards anything, and that mm. was why it was really hard to keep my attention. I think I didn't play it after, like, I beat the first area. Um, I have a hard time with that in games. It was I, I felt like we had no goal, and, like, the I thought the, the companions were interesting, but then once you got, like, two or three good ones, there was no reason to pick up anymore. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know what the purpose is. Like, why are we fighting these things and what are we working for so I got really bored yeah I also like had an issue like you're dropped on this island you don't know anything yet and then all of a sudden you're supposed to like walk up and start killing everything yeah I was just like why are we fighting these things they were here first we crashed here colonialism I I mean we do that in destiny Mm -hmm. we did it in Bastion Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, uh, at least in Bastion, somebody was telling us where to go the whole time. <laughs> somebody was somebody was telling. So us just to blindly go. following orders is better. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, it's like, yeah. go go kill those beings, go kill it, those people. It was like the civilization beyond Earth, right? Like you land in someone else's planet and you just start yes. murdering them. It's like, and you know what? That and you, that's a great point because I couldn't play that game because of that for very I, long. I didn't like it either. Yeah. Destiny or Bastion? Uh, Civilization uh, Civ- 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 uh, no, Beyond yeah. Earth, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, sorry. I didn't catch up. Yeah, no, uh, Destiny, Destiny, I like. Bastion, I absolutely loved. I love, love Bastion. But yeah, no, the starting when you had to like kill people, I was like, why are we fighting these things? Yeah. I tried to avoid as many people as I could at the beginning of Bastion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and it was I think a miss for me. Was, it was a miss for you. Yeah, it was pretty much a miss for me, too. Um, it's a game that I can jump in and out of if I'm, like, bored. <laughs> like, oh, uh, I, was, I was about to say if I was bored and had nothing else to play, like, that would never happen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I'll play this thing. Um, I think if I had, like, little kid cousins that I would trust with my PS4 controller, that's the game I'd let them play. Um, he hated it. I was going to say, I think P's a better gamer than I am. So I mean. <laughs> She's like, this is the stupidest game. Why would you play this? Uh, kind of right. Like, yeah, I was just like thinking like my little kid cousins, if I would trust them with my game controllers, and I really don't. But like if they were over, I'd just be like, here. That would be the only game on my system I'd think they could play. Where they weren't murdering things constantly. Yeah, I mean, like the only other game that I would like maybe let them play would be like uh, um, Rogue Legacy because it's really mm. cartoony. But even then, I think they'd get really frustrated with it because everything else I have is like Bloodborne or Transistor or Don't Starve, and I don't think I don't think kids should be playing Bloodborne. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I should be playing Bloodborne, but you know. Uh. But like. Alicia, your son loves uh, Don't Starve, doesn't he? He does. He plays the hell out of Don't Starve. He has a hard time with it, I mean, because it's a hard game, right? Yeah. So we play with him. Um, but he is he, he is his mother's child because he has gotten to where he really likes survival games. And uh, even though it's really frustrating for him to lose, you know, to die, he uh, he really seems to enjoy the challenge. He's also played some uh, some Dark Souls. Mm. So, you know, I'm training him right. <laughs> Train him up in the way he's supposed to be raised. 
on the hard stuff. Mm -hmm. If you really want the hard stuff, you'd go to Garcia fucking Hotspur. Just oh no. <laughs> You've played that game. You've played Shadows of the Damned. We've all played it. Oh yeah, my god! Yay! <laughs> yeah. There's nothing like rapey demons from hell. Yay. <laughs> I, got a, I got a text from Cody the other day, and he's like, what's that game with the penis gun? <laughs> Garcia fucking Hotspur. I'm so glad I'm I can joking. play that around other people now. <laughs> oh, is that the game that Ricky first showed yep. me? Ricky yep. loves that game. Oh, well, we played it in class and we were talking about how horribly, how horribly sexist and racist the game was. Yeah. And Ricky just sat there like and played that game for like two hours in class. <laughs> I think he and like love hated it though. He love hated it. And then like the next thing I know, because we were like Xbox friends, it's like then it was like you know it was like Tasha's just signed in or whatever. And then and then you looked over and it was like he was playing Shadows of the Damned. I gave him so much shit because he went out and bought that game. <laughs> After we he, he talked yeah. about how horrible it was in class. That's we one of the first games you showed me when we started dating. He's <laughs> like, hey, look at this. I was like, is that a penis? <laughs> it's like, hey, you're dating a new girl. Show her your penis gun game. <laughs> that is what Garcia fucking hotspot. I remember laughing, so I didn't get angry. I think. Yeah. It was like we got it for like three dollars at GameStop because we were this was back when Alex and I had um like disposable income, so we would just go and grab like really cheap games and then play them. And it was like, well, one, we knew where the budget ran out, and two, what the hell are we playing? Yeah, that was, <laughs> that, was that. I mean, yeah. Oh, I'm so glad I can talk to other people about that. I think that was backwards compatible for the Xbox One. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's still working 360. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, oh my god. I'm just going to sit over here now. Oh. All right. <laughs> On that note, let's get to our uh, issue of the week. Alex, you want to introduce this one, darling? Uh, sure. So what we're talking about this week is what type of character you play and what it says about you. I guess it emerged from conversations about, um, I think it, Ashley and I were talking about, Ashley keeps wanting to be a tank um, <laughs> because she wants to, like, guard everybody, and I'm always the healer, right? And she was always, like, jumping in front of me and, like, taking all the damage and, like, trying to knock everything over. And I thought about Sam, who always plays, like, the... She wants the smash. She wants to go in first and just Please punch the crap out of people. Just <laughs> guns blazing, right? So and I thought that was really interesting, like, as a reflection of, like the kind of social justice warrior persona or the advocate persona. Um, and so we've decided to do the topic this week on what types of classes and characters we play pretty consistently. Because I, in role-playing games and games where you get to choose what type of class you play, I always pick the healer. I can't play other things. And some of it's tactile. Like, I, I don't like shooting. I don't. I mean, I don't love shooting. I'm not very good at it. Um, but... I can heal the shit out of you. And once I get good at, like, healers, you know, they usually have some sort of other characters, um, characteristics that are really, really helpful to the group. So I really like being helpful to the group um, that I'm playing with. And when, and that's just, like, that's my, um, that's kind of my thing. So what kind of characters 
you like to play and what it says about your personalities. Um, but I'll t let someone else talk for a minute before I say more. I was thinking really hard about this because I don't have a consistent kind of role. Uh, I was trying to figure out why, and then in our Slack, uh, Ashley linked the uh, short version of the Myers-Briggs test. And I remember when we were in New York, we all retook it. Ashley, do you remember? Yeah. Do you remember how I was like in the middle? I do. And, uh, and I, so I retook it again, and I got different results this time. I got like ENFP, and I think that time I was like ENTJ or something. I don't know. Um, but I was in the middle, and I was thinking, I've taken this test, you know, hundreds of times over the years, and I often get different results, slightly different, but I'm always like in just right in the middle. Like you could be this, but today you're this. <laughs> and uh, really I think the role I most often play in teams and games is utility. Mm -hmm. Whatever's whatever's needed at the time, I might I, complain about it, but I'll go and do it. I think that's consistent with uh, how you are outside of games too, though. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll complain. I will be the loudest of complainers. <laughs> but it's gonna be the hardest of work. I in there and get in there and do it. Um, speaking of which, I was gonna read this little um thing that I thought was really interesting. Um, because a lot of us are INFJ. Is the advocate, right? Which makes sense, social justice, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. um, But this is really, I thought it was really interesting because they say they pick two different types of players, um, like one's utility, like you're talking about, Alicia. Mm -hmm. But what they do is, um, let's see here, I'm trying to see if I can find this quote. Uh, the world that the advocate envisions uh, is the world that it actually exists are two different places, etc., uh, etc. Et An advocate who faces seemingly insurmountable obstacles to their idealism in real life may be pleased beyond worlds is the relative ease with which such difficult difficulties can be gained or overcome in a digital realm. So like for advocates, it's very satisfying to overcome obstacles in online games because the problems we face in real life are so challenging and we can't take them on with a team of five often, right? Um, and an, another interesting point was that advocates feel unsure about their own identities and role-playing games are a way for them to try persona in a safe environment without fear of transgressing their moral codes or being rebuked by their peers. Mm -hmm. So, I like that a lot. Well, and I think it's funny because um, I'm also an INFJ. Um, I'm, I alternate between TNF and um, I think it's funny because uh, I hate being the healer. I'm always the healer, though. I hate it, but I'm, I tend to be like in role-playing games and everything. Uh, I was telling the guys in the, in the Slack that um, there was a game where everybody was picking roles, and I went in and I was ready to pick my role, and they were like, oh, no, you're the healer. Oh, fuck like, that, though. Um, yeah. Well, it was like everyone, and I realized it was because nobody else wanted to do it, but if we didn't have a healer, like everyone would die, and like nobody died because I was a good healer, but... I realize I get that role a lot because I, I, I guess, outwardly a very caring person and very insured. And so, like, I stand back and I let everybody else do all the hitting and I make sure nobody dies. So, kind of like Alicia, like, you play you different me. roles depending on what the group needs at the yeah. moment. Well, but it just happens to be healer. <laughs> it's healer. Well, and that was what, when I was allowed to actually pick my character when I was doing a Cthulhu Tech campaign, um, which is a really cool, um, t like, technopunk. Um, Technopunk, uh, Lovecraftian horror thing. It's great. I love playing it. Um, and I got to finally pick, and I picked the most, like, the second most discriminated class of people. Um, I picked a parapsychic, which basically is somebody who is 
so insane. Like they have so much like magic, basically, but they're like basically teetering on the edge of like blowing up, <laughs> and so everyone's scared of them. And I was like, oh, this. Is, why did I do this? But I think it has to do with what your quote said. Is like I played the people that have the most obstacles to overcome, so I can learn more. Um, about how to be a better advocate. Uh, that's why, like, in Dragon Age, I played an elf mage, because that's basically the hardest thing you can play in the first Dragon Age is elf and mage, because um, everybody hates you. And if they don't hate you, they hate you. Um, so <laughs> so I, I don't know. I think that was the that's something in your quote that rang true to me. Um, yeah. So, so it's interesting because I I know where I fall in the Myers Briggs, uh, but the interesting thing about it the the about the Myers Briggs test is that I tend to not want to believe it. Yeah. Because um, I always get yeah I always get pegged as one of two things INFP or INFJ, and <laughs> I, I, I kind of heard in the group, huh? Am I the only extrovert at the table? I well, think the only this, this is my point, and this is my point, is that I think that it is more difficult for someone like me who has to um, code switch a lot, not only mm -hmm. linguistically but culturally. Mm -hmm. um, it it becomes a, a a bunch of bullshit for me because I think that who I am in one role is very different from who I am in another. Yes. Mm -hmm. While I can, while I can see myself as an I, in more um, academic slash professional circles, in my personal life, I am not an I at all. I am definitely going to be an E. Um, and I think that that's where I also get the fluctuation between the um, the P J. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, I was thinking, I was thinking like the the letters mean so much less than the different descriptions of how they each function because the different descriptions you kind of mash together and figure things out those are interesting but the but the letters I mean we all know how biased those tests are I mean at any test yeah I mean I know a lot of people can't perceive me as an extrovert because I care about people and I can I project that like I'm 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 good at uh, like classroom settings, I, I'm good at teaching, I'm good at public speaking, but I hate small talk, and if I don't get time alone, if I don't get time to process, I totally break down. Like, I have, like, and that's where the I comes in for me, is the, the introspective, the, the need to retreat inside versus socializing so much, I think. I'm just an introvert. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> well, I mean, for me, it's it's. I think that this is the reason why I come in the middle on these tests so often is is a lot like what Sam was saying. Uh, I, I people ask me these questions or I take the test or whatever, and I'm thinking, well, I mean, it depends. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have an answer for these questions. It depends. Yes, sometimes I'm going to go with my gut when I'm solving a problem. Sometimes I'm going to think through it. It depends on the situation. But that's often how I answer almost every question. People will say, well, what about this thing? I'm like, well, it depends. <laughs> you know? like, I never have an answer. Mm -hmm. That could also be a lot due to our professions and, yeah. and the way we like to contextualize situations. Absolutely. Uh, that is true. So, yeah, what? with students asking, like, what do I do? Like, well, well it depends. Yeah. <laughs> do what you need to do. Right. I need more information to make that conclusion or to draw a conclusion. 
That is interesting that you mentioned like going with your gut or thinking about it because I, I think that's kind of academically mm. we're trained to think about it but to think about things and contextualize them and intellectualize them but there's also I think a movement in feminism that is trying to sort of reclaim the gut and reclaim the body as a type of knowledge as well. Yeah. So certainly both valid in different situations. I definitely think intuition is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, um, I think it's, it's really contextual, like what's happening around you. But then again, if you're thinking about that, are you ever really going with your gut? I don't know, like these tests are so simplistic in a way and that they have to be to like read your true yeah. self or whatever, but we're not simplistic because all we do yeah. is think through shit. That's <laughs> our literal job. So we can't just be like, well, yeah, that. Like, um, well, I don't know. Uh, Maybe we need the more complex one because there is a complex one, but I think... Maybe we just need to get real drunk first and then take it. I've taken the complex one and I still get the same... I've taken the complex one and I still get the same... Uh, I still get the same fluctuation. I get a and, range. And, yeah, I mean, and, and the thing is, and and it's interesting if I think about like to to go back to what kind of gamer I am. Yes, I am a person who likes to run in head first and just bash <laughs> the shit out of things. So the the question is, is that because I am a protector, right? And I want to protect others around me. Is that kind of what it is? Is it a protective thing, right? Or is it that I just like to kill things. Man, I don't know. Let's count all the times I've had to raise your ass, and we'll talk about who's protecting who. <laughs> well, I wonder. I wonder too. Like they say, you either pick someone who, and you act exactly like you would in real life. Like I, I think it's like eighty percent of the advocate personality or whatever would only do things they do in real life, but the other twenty percent do only do things, or maybe it's thirty percent only do things they would never do, so that they can like. Like, really, you want to, like, go in and be hacking and slashing all the fucking idiots around you. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So you do that in the game. So that, that advocates are kind of are, are a little split on whether they always are good or always are, you know, doing the shit they can't do in real life. That's probably why I like to be a tank. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because you can't take in real life or you, you can't do take take in real life. I can't take in real life. Like, I mean... I can't go through and get the satisfaction of taking down idiots and assholes. <laughs> well, in, in case you haven't met me, <laughs> I am often one who charges in head first. <laughs> you know, but but since since Terry and I have been playing WoW together this past week or so, it's given me a lot of time to think about this, and, and I think it's a really interesting question, uh, and maybe something we don't think about as much as we should, like all of us, like gamers in general. And, uh, I, you know, my character, my main character from when I played six years ago was a priest, and it was because in my group of friends, nobody else wanted to be the healer, so I was like, fine, I will. And then I started to really enjoy it. It was the first time I've ever been a healer. Since I've been back, though, I switched and I'm playing her as DPS, right? Because I don't want to be a healer. I don't care about these people. I don't care if they stay alive. However, here's what I've noticed. Since Terry and I have been grouping because Terry's the tank, if things start to go bad, I immediately switch and start healing. I will save the healer. I will save Terry. I will start healing people. I'll start putting people in bubbles. And it's like I totally forget about what I'm supposed to be doing or who mm-hmm. I am. 
So that's that yeah, advocate. I've died, yeah, yeah, I've died a couple of times, and and just because I'm not looking at myself anymore, and like I'm standing in a fucking fire because <laughs> I stopped to heal other people. And I'm like, well, what the fuck does this say about me? Like, is that a good thing that I will give myself up to save others, or is that a bad thing and that I will immediately sacrifice my identity in a sense without thought? Or is it contextual? Yeah. Or, it's, or, is, that, or I, is that a part of your identity? I, I like, think, too, when I... So I, I've always been the healer. I played WoW, and now that you've been talking about WoW, I'm going to up my account again. So <laughs> I'm, I'm off for the sorry, summer. I'll stop. I'll stop. Um, so one of the... And I don't know if this is... I feel like it's kind of shameful to admit, but, like, my one of my favorite parts about being the healer is that I didn't have to pay attention to myself. So I'm looking at everybody else, I'm healing everybody else, and if I die, it's the tank's fault, or it's the DPS's fault, or like, the DPS person, the mage standing next to me, should notice that someone's attacking me, and dive in front, right? Like, I I felt that was incredibly satisfying, because I could keep everybody else alive, but I knew they had my back, too. Mm -hmm. So I, I think, to me, that's the most enjoyable part of being a healer. Like, like Ashley setting her big-ass bastion tank in front of me <laughs> when I'm Lucio, and I'm, like, healing people. Like, that is just very satisfying to me. I don't know. And it's not satisfying to me when I can just kill a whole bunch of people. But I think See, what we're really getting at is that when a group works well, yeah, it's satisfying. I was going to say, because I've never had a really good time as a healer, because, I mean, I'm talking about, like, tabletop RPGs, so pen and paper, and um, I never got experience, because I never killed anything. Yeah, see, that's a problem. So I was like level two. I was like level two, and everybody else was level seven, and I was like, okay, now I got to start killing stuff. And so my secondary class was always archer. So I was yeah. like trying to shoot things. Nobody would die. I would get no experience. And so I was like, I can't even get more powerful spells because it's not balanced for the healer. Yeah, it was it's so hard and wow to level up when you didn't when you could only heal two. Yeah. Um, and in Overwatch, they started giving anytime you're healing anybody and they kill someone, you get part of the kill. That's, oh, that's cool. cool. I like yeah. that. I mean, and like so, that should happen. Yeah, and I just since I like playing a very passive, a uh, turtling. I always call it turtling. I like to sit there and build up buffs and make it so I'm basically this invincible thing, and then steamroll through everybody, mm-hmm. and pick up whoever else is like fall and pick them up, put them on my back, and you're a warlock, up, basically, or druid, or basically anything that I can have like a bunch of little minions send them out and then keep everyone alive at the meantime. <laughs> um, and well, because like I was in Diablo, you can't play an actual healer. You can play stuff that makes you. So I was like, what do I do? So I played the, the, the um, oh, the demon hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just like, yes, sitting in the back with a bunch of Cetri turrets and, you know, birds dropping bombs on people and just cackle, right? Um, but my partner played a paladin. And so he was actually doing the healing. And it was really interesting because he was both a tank and a healer. And I'm over here in this corner just like shooting literally everything and just infinite arrows. Um, and I felt bad because I wanted to be doing the, um, the healing, <laughs> and so I felt like I was worthless. It was just annoying, because I was like, oh, finally I'm going to be doing something that isn't healing, I'm going to get into my own experience, and now I feel bad because I'm not healing. So, I was just going to say, really quickly, I totally understand that. I've been trying to find classes, since I've been playing WoW again, that where I don't have the option, and I just have to be me, and it makes me feel really bad, too. Interesting. Hmm. It makes me sad when I'm not playing a healer. My first character, actually, that I leveled all the way was a mage. 
So I didn't even know at that time, because I hadn't played really any RPGs. I'd never been in a group scenario, so I didn't even know how much I loved healing. But anyway, Jinx, I was going to ask you since you were talking, and I know you love this question, do you like role-playing? <laughs> and do you like take on the personality of your player? Do you enjoy like the role-playing type servers? And I, I mean, I want everybody to answer this, but I know Jinx was like, oh, I love that question. Yeah, well, I, I do, because I, I do... Um, it it depends. Um, there's I've been role playing Elfie Dragoon, which is a very small character from the Final Fantasy VII re- universe since I was twelve. Um, and like I basically, I don't know. A lot of people just basically de- default to me as that Elfie. Um, and so I've adopted parts of her characterization, I think. But um, sometimes I try to be people who are completely unlike me, and I, I fail miserably. Um, like when I was playing Mistborn, I tried to be like the super suave, like debutante lady. Um, and by the end of it, everyone's like, you have to be a librarian. Like, that's what you've been trying to play this whole time. I ended up, like, I was, like, supposed to be this, like, up-and-coming socialite, and by the end of it, they're like, you're so socially awkward. Here's a book. Your your weapon is a book. You're now wearing... <laughs> and I, I went from being, like, I don't remember what my debutante's name was, but I ended up being Meerkit, or Meerkat, basically. And I was just running around getting information and not talking to people. I mean, um, so I think the problem that I have is that my personality takes over. Um... Mm-hmm. And I, when we did Cthulhu Tech, when I was playing Mad Hatter, um, the dark side of my personality took over. Because, um, and you guys know, I can be very um, argumentative when oh, I think people are wrong. Well, okay, Sam knows this because <laughs> the one professor I got into arguments with, um, and then I would come and cry. But <laughs> the um, like when when I'm writing, I can be stronger than I am in real life. I think, and so I think that the parts of my personality that I wish were stronger come out, and and so like with Mad Hatter, it was a lot of the um, um, fighting back against things that I didn't think were right, um, so my, my DM, God bless him, hated me, because um, <laughs> I hated authority, and I hate authority, um, especially when people think that they're right, and so I used her to kind of be like, you can't tell me what to do, I'm going to fight for what I believe was right, um, and that may not be for the benefit of the group. Um, and the other players loved it. My DM hated it, and he would tell me all the time. He's just like, I hate Hatter. I hate Hatter so much. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, I love her because she just she was she was the only time I've ever played chaotic neutral. Every other time I played lawful good. Yep. Yeah, I always played that good character. You guys thought that was interesting. What about you guys role playing? It's uh, a hard question for me. Uh, I used to love tabletop role play. But often the culture around it can be really, really awful. Mm-hmm. And I also used to. Here's a really interesting thing I don't tell anybody ever. I spent a good, I don't know, three years really dedicated to text-based role play, like, uh, you know, muds and mushes and muxes. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and I was a GM in some games and, and just a character in others. But I realized eventually that all I really wanted to do was write fiction and other people were getting in my way. Uh, <laughs> I enjoy creating characters. I took acting classes in high school, you know, embodying another person. But it is really complicated, I think, when you involve other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just it just depends. When it comes to like identifying with your character or whatever, I'm kind of like Alex. Like I have to be a relatively good guy. I can't be a bad guy. I can't go in and kill children and like Babbage Towns and I, I've run into that a lot in like Fallout and shit like that like I can't be a black hat I've tried <laughs> trying to be not Paragon and Mass Effect was pretty funny too 
I I wonder how people can do that. I don't want to. Don't let me talk over anybody. But I'm just saying, if you can do like the evil stuff in those games, where it's just like pick good or evil. Like I can't not have a halo and glow blue. Like it's just, um, which is a reference. Sorry to like Fable and yeah. to um, Jade Empire, where you're just when you're good, you 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 look good. I've never been able. Like I killed a chicken once in Fable, and I restarted the game. <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder if part of that too is like games at least until I played The Division games are heavily stacked in favor of you being good I mean the like when you go I, I mean I guess Mass Effect 2 was more even but like for a lot of games when you I was going to say because I went straight renegade at Mass Effect yeah. I was going to say Fable 1 was stacked pretty evenly because my, my brother played like straight evil and he seemed to get off better than I did I guess I'm thinking like 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 uh, like a Stardew Valley type thing, right? Like you oh, can yeah. choose like in and maybe in less role playing games this happens, but you can choose a bad the option that you know is supposed to be the bad one, but it it seems sh- it like doesn't give you as as good of a game I think. But. So Alex, do you mean something like playing Fable and waking up and killing every killing your whole family and everybody in town? That was not my fault. That was not my fault that I killed my family. They didn't give me directions. I didn't know. I was terrified standing by myself. I actually, I was playing uh, in Division, you can shoot the dogs. I was playing with somebody who shot one of the dogs, and I was like, you are... Did you shoot them? Fucking, I, I couldn't. They were, like, on my side. But I called them a fucking monster. <laughs> like, who would do that? Like, who... Yeah. Well, like, they don't get you points. Like, you can like it's what? the idea that, that people can dissociate from games because like I was telling my partner about like that sort of thing and he's just like well I can see it as a game and I was like ah that's where the difference happens because like yeah. I, when I'm playing it I can't see it as a game anymore mm. um, and I, I do it's not like I, I don't think it's a game anymore but but yeah there are certain things that I just can't do like if you put me in a game where like okay we'll slaughter these children I'd be like no mm-hmm. I, I choose to fail yeah mm-hmm in that moment in, in Destiny that we've talked about a lot where you have to kill the people who are praying or the aliens who are praying, I had a hard time with that my first time through Destiny. I almost quit playing the game um, because it just seemed so wrong to me to just go in and follow orders with no context and just kill these creatures during an intimate moment with their god. And I'm not religious or anything, but it just felt wrong. Yeah. I didn't think that felt wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but I know, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, like, I, 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 I won't kill a dog, but I'll go in and kill everybody who's brave. And it was kind of funny, too, because my quote-unquote renegade in Mass Effect in my second playthrough was mostly just really straightforward and talked harshly to people. <laughs> but like, otherwise, I played exactly the same way as I had played before. I had, um, when we started Division last night, I uh, I had to pause when we started killing people. I was like, whoa, whoa, that feels real. Uh, and I and Ricky and I were kind of talking about it on uh, on our headsets. And I was just like, uh, Destiny's different because it felt like aliens. It's removed. There's some kind of distance between me and what I'm killing versus this is placed in a real life world. And I think maybe because I'm not an avid gamer, uh, this is the first game that I played where I had to shoot people, and maybe the mm-hmm. timing was bad. Uh, and it doesn't really give you a lot of directions, and so 
I didn't really understand why I was shooting the people. I was like, wait, why are we kill- how do we know they're bad guys? They're looting, so I don't understand the full context right now. Um, so there's a lot more questions, a lot more feelings, and again, it's probably contextualized um, about when I started the game. But I didn't have that so much with Destiny. It's a lot easier for me to go in and just be like, be a Leroy. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't because it's like they're just the other. Yeah. Well, and I had that. This is not a role-playing game, really, but like Halo Two, when you switch sides and you're playing as the Arbiter, it suddenly like when you went back to being Master Chief, it was a lot harder for me to just take it up and like shoot again. I was like, I know these people now. Part of that too is the Arbiter is awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, keep <laughs> David. <laughs> um, but like even um, and I read the books, and that might have been me like world building, but like in the books they give you the the Covenant's point of view. Um, and so they weren't the other to me anymore. And I, at the minute that you take away that otherness, I start feeling bad for everything I'm doing. I I think Undertale helped me a lot with that too. Um, now I question every time we walk in. I was like, we're killing things. I was like, why? Can we talk mm-hmm. to them? <laughs> I thought they're friendly. Maybe they'll give us sketty. Like you know, <laughs> like you don't know. And so that's probably why I haven't started like Bloodborne and um, Dark Souls Three and stuff is because you just. You don't ask questions, you just go and kill things. And there is no diplomacy option. And that's really hard for me to do. You know, my son has a lot of the uh, Halo figures, right? The little Mega Bloks figures. I mean, like, a hundred of them. He loves them. And he's always setting up these, these huge, like, diorama scenarios. And he's like, okay, so we're going to play. And you're, you're this team, and, and then here are the aliens. What are you going to do? I'm like, well, can we go negotiate? Can we just have a dance party? Like, I always try to bring that up. And I th- I feel like it's because, you know, I'm trying to educate him that, like, violence is not the answer. But maybe part mm-hmm. of it is that same thing. Like, but but why? Why do we just have to default to killing the other? That feels wrong. That's the uh, Undertale. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. That's a good game. I can't... I The people who can do a genocide run of that game... And I, I, I'm very glad that that's what they called it. And not yeah. just like, you know, an all-kill run, because that's what some people call it. It's like, no, it's a genocide run. Um, I don't know how they can do it. Especially if they do it right after a pacifist. Like, I don't know how they do it. Because I can't, I just cannot get myself, I can't get myself to kill anybody, let alone kill everybody. Um, so, I mean, and I'm I'm not saying you're a bad person if you do a genocide run in Undertale. Maybe <laughs> you're a great person. Um, but, like, to me, it's just like, I can't. They they purposely give you people, you can talk to every single one of them, even the lesser monsters, and learn who they are. Well, and you I, can play that game without killing anybody. So how I, can you play that game and kill everybody? I, I think it has a lot to do with exactly what you said earlier, which is experience, your ability to dissociate yeah. from the game mm-hmm. world. Some people can, and some people can't. And probably your you know personality type, which, which allows you to do that or not. So I, I think that was the perfect word, because... Mm-hmm. I don't think it necessarily makes people monsters, but it's they're dissociated yeah, from it, or they're role playing, or whatever. It's not I had, real. Oh, yeah. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say I had my students play um, Undertale uh, last semester, and I didn't give them much direction in how to do it. And uh, we talked about why they chose certain roles and if it was ethical. And for some of them, it was they wanted to gain that experience in the game. You get points for killing, or you get points for doing different things rather than being a pacifist. That's what we're told to do, right, in games? Yeah, get experience. That's the objective, is how they understood it. Um, and we had conversations about that. We had conversations about choices, about processes, and, and all that jazz that 
we do, Alicia, <laughs> with our students and games. Um, yeah. and, and it was interesting. It, and they, after that conversation, that made them think about their choices, and they started playing the game differently. So. I bet that's extremely common. That happened in my games classes as well, where when you point something out to somebody, like you can just tell they never thought about it and move forward very differently. That's why these games classes, I think, are so important, um, because if you don't teach people to be critical inside of that world, they might never be. You know, and do some and shit. I I kind of wish, especially with uh, Dark Souls 1, I know this is going to sound silly, but if there was a way to pacifist run Dark Souls 1, um, and I know that sounds really silly, but there's, a, there's like, specifically when you have to fight Sif, um, which is a giant wolf, who's only there to make sure you don't make the same mistake as his old ma or her old master did, um, who died a very horrible death. And, like, when you figure that out, and you figure it out after you kill him, uh, kill her, um... Like, you feel horrible. Most people feel horrible. Um, and and to me, it was like, if I could just talk to this dog, I know that sounds silly, but, like, there's paths you can take in the game where, where Sif remembers you and doesn't want to fight you but does, and I was like, there's no diplomacy option. And I wonder what sort of world that would build. If um, I know this game is trying to kill you in every way, shape, or form it can, um, but if you could talk, like, it, I just... After playing Undertale, I started thinking of all these RPGs that I played where you can't talk to any of the yeah. bosses. Um, or even in, like, Final Fantasy X, when you can talk to the bosses and it kind of weaken it weakens them, but it doesn't make it so you can't fight them. Fuck you, Seymour. Um, but, you know, it, it's just... I'm still mad about that all these times later. Um, but it's just, like, the idea that diplomacy doesn't exist. Yeah. Um... That's why Undertale is so great. It just flew in the face, I think. I love it. And I want but I want that option in other games. I know. Too. Hopefully we will. Yeah. And I just I mean like like think of like Bloodborne if you could play it where instead of just attacking everything as you walk in the room, you get to learn about them and, and if they still attack you, well they're dicks. But you know But you guys we're just trying to take away the Vichy games. <laughs> we take away the killing. We have ruined everything about you games. You don't ever. have to kill to have fun. That's why, like, Pokemon and, and Animal Crossing and, um, I mean, even Stardew Valley for part of it is, is fun. Like, Harvest Moon, you don't have to kill things. Maybe Stardew Valley was a bad example. Cause you but slides. then, in the wow, you'd you have, have to click more than Stardew Valley. <laughs> you weren't just killing stuff. And in Pokemon, you're enslaving, like, things that are just chilling in the grass. That's true. Oh, yes. <laughs> you can't even be a black person, which maybe is a commentary on slavery. I don't know. But I think, I think you're right. I just, I just really hope that, that it's changing. And I think, I think it is the more indie games we get that blow up, that disrupt the narrative that yeah. games are killing only, period. Well, like, I mean, even Bastion did that thing where, you know, you're running through killing everything, and then it flips it on you. It's like, you know, you're the problem. And you're like, shit. I still fuck. Like <laughs> was, I wanted to run through there and like after the the campfire thing and I just didn't want to hit anything. I was like they're attacking me and I keep dying, which means I have to swing back, but I don't want to. And then it gives you that to. option at the end. It's not spoilers, the game is like five hundred thousand years old now. But then you have that option at the end of whether or not you continue to be a colonizer or you or you let it go. Right? It's like, so what do you do? Do you rebuild the bastion, or do you not rebuild the bastion? 
right? So what do you do at this point, right? And you know that the bastion itself kind of is the epitome of colonialization, right? So, and do you, you have to ask yourself at that point, like you've been, this whole time you've been playing the game, you've been working toward rebuilding the bastion. So at this point, do you actually go ahead and rebuild the bastion? Or do you learn from, from you know, from what you've discovered as you've played the game and say, okay, no, at this point, I'm not going to rebuild the bastion because I know what this is asking me to do as a human being. It was good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> we. <can't. laughs> I think it's interesting. I just, yeah. I'm kind of surprised we managed to have such a fruitful conversation today. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <sighs> can, can I say something off topic that's really bothering me? Yeah. Yes. Go for it. So, Sam and I spent a lot of time last night talking about Pokemon Go and representation <sighs> issues. And then, you know what? With everything that's happening right now in the world, has been happening, it's just now being filmed, this idea that you can only represent one or two kinds of people in video games is a real fucking problem. Yeah. Because if you can't even exist in a virtual world, how can anybody see you as people and not fucking shoot you? If you can't exist on a television show except as a thug or quote-unquote one of the good ones, how can people see you as a human and not kill you? How do we get there? And all these people who want to say, oh, we can't change games because games are sacred? You know what's sacred? Life. Fucking human beings living their lives. And the more I think about this bullshit fucking Pokemon Go, where you're supposed to run around with your goddamn phone and catch pocket monsters and be yourself doing this, but you can only be a certain kind of self. How can you play that? If you can't separate from evil in games, how can you play this? Yeah. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not going to download a game. I'm not going to play a game. I'm not going to buy a game. I'm not going to exist in those worlds. Unless it's for research and it's a necessity. It's hard. I mean, it, it's hard. And you make a great point. You know, people want to say it's it's only this. It's only that. But it becomes a larger question for the gamers playing the games. It becomes a larger question for the underrepresented person playing the game. It becomes a larger question for... I mean, and, and I use this example all the time, right? Because a lot of times what happens is you get... Because, you know, being in central Indiana... And I've been here, oh, Jesus Christ, almost 20 years, right? You can easily run into still 
in central Indiana. Some of these kids from these little tiny towns in central Indiana who have never had any real meaningful yeah. interactions with people of color yes. when they come to campus. And they're, the only thing that they think they know about people of color is what they've seen on television and what they've encountered in video games. And if they get to school and they finally see like three or four black people, because it ain't like Purdue has a huge minority population, <laughs> then how, how, if they've never seen people of color in their games, in their media, in their books, in their television shows, in whatever, how do they know how to be any other way than maybe their parents have been? How do we teach them? We just tell them? Don't act like that. That's not enough. You can't just tell people how to be. Especially since we're all just liberal asshole professors anyway. I mean, no, no, sorry. <laughs> I'm trans though. That makes me liberal. Right. <laughs> but it's, it's the same thing. Because like, the first trans person I ever saw was Angel in Rent. Yeah. That was the first time I ever saw a trans person. And I got grounded for watching Rent. Hmm. And... Because, you know, it had gay people in it and black people saying stuff, you know. But, like, I don't know. I was fortunate. I lived in Fort Wayne. It's not that we have a huge... The, the minority population in my school, we could count all the black kids. But we had them, I guess. But the, I, but I worked with the Burmese population, so at least I knew how to deal with people. But I'm not, I'm not good at it, and you guys have to correct me with all stuff about it. And I'm sorry. But that's the thing, is, like, I didn't have that representation, and so I treated people like shit. And I'm not proud of it. I'm hoping I'm getting better. But it's, it, we, the representation that I got was through video games, like Sergeant Johnson in Halo 1 and Halo 2. There was my black guy. And I mean, like, that's all I had. And that's not good. That's not, it's not good at all. No. Yeah. And, and, like, I was pissed, and... My partner and my friend had to see me do it when I opened up Pokemon Go, and I could not be a transfer. I couldn't be me. I couldn't. I couldn't be Sam. I couldn't be anybody. You have to make and, a choice then, like how much you'll tolerate. And it's this constant choice making of, well, I guess I'll deal with it this time. Well, and this is what I saw a lot on social media. Well, it's better than some of their other games. Yeah, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of that. I mean, and it, 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 it's better. It was quote unquote better than some of their games, but then at the same time, it's also worse than some of their games, right? Yeah. Because when you when and that was the, that was the thing that I was like so pissed about last night. It was like so one, you have to choose. There's one. There's one body type. There's there is a thin male body type and a thin female body type. That's it. You get one of the two. There's no in between. There is no androgynous or ambiguous character to choose from. It's one of the two. Then, like I said, you get one of four skin tones. You get one of four skin tones that you then choose. There are, there are two hairstyles. There's a male hairstyle and a female hairstyle. The only thing you can do is choose, like, black, blonde, brown, red, or blue gray, maybe? 
Huh? Blue and, pur blue and purple. Cause I yeah, have blue and purple. I'm trying to remember if gray was one of the options. Yeah, you got the SJW colors. You <laughs> got the SJW colors. Right, so you have you have these choices, and it, it, there are certain things, and, and Jinx and I have talked about this before, right, in terms of when we, because when, we play a lot of these Pokemon-type games or these 3DS games that are, you know, coming out of Japan, and so we talk about, okay, so do you choose the male body or the female body because you got to choose one? And I'm like, I never I never end up choosing the female body because female bodies always have skirts. Um, but this one was a little better, not, as that was sarcasm, in that she had on shorts and tights, which was just as fucking bad. But <laughs> so you have to, I was like, I never choose the, the female body. I always choose the male body person because that is closer to who I am in terms of how I think I present and at the same time so then you then it becomes a downhill struggle especially with Pokemon Go from there because you can't change the body size so you have to be thin which I'm not right then you gotta be one of these four skin tones none of which match me then I've got to have one of one. I've got to not one of anything, but this one hairstyle, <laughs> which is straight and long, which my hair is not. So there's nothing of me. Yeah, it's a love of Pokemans. That's all you got. I, I was gonna say I look closer to some of the Pokemans, maybe. <laughs> but people talk about erasure. I mean, that's the definition. Like that's 2016 version. Of erasing people, you know, yeah. you don't even have the option. It just doesn't exist. Nope. It just doesn't exist. It, look, something here has got to change, and I'm not saying like if we change video games, suddenly people will stop dying. But I mean, we have to change all the things, right? And that's that's one of the things that has to change. There's a lot of shit that needs to change. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's scary. And the way we see each other as human beings is one of those oh, things. Oh shit! Yes. Because the the police officer who shot Castile did it because he was afraid of a black man. There was no other reason in that moment. He did not see him as a man as a human with a life and a child in the back seat. That. Only saw him as a threat. With a child in the back seat. As a parent that will bring me to tears every time I think of it. With a child in the back seat. We then had to comfort her mother. Yes. It's okay, Mama. I'm here for you. Oh, God. Okay. I'm sorry I brought this up. I really am. But I feel like it needs to be said over and over and over and over. We have to do something. Oh, Merry Christmas, everybody. Ooh. Thanks, Alicia. That sure. was a real upper. <laughs> you know. 
on that chipper note. <laughs> it was a good talk, though. So next time, maybe we won't have to talk about murder. Maybe we can talk about something else for a day. For a day. That's not murder. All right. Well, on that note, my friends, that will bring us to the end of episode 131. <laughs> Jeez. 131 episodes. We'll be at 200 before you know it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> all who have to edit this, just think about all the hours that will be. <laughs> oh, yeah. So until next time, when you join us for episode 132, we'll have all kinds of wonderful things to talk about, including how much the world has changed for the better. This is episode 131. Right, yeah. <laughs> stay cool. Stay safe. And as always, my friends, game on. Come on. Come on.